Hey everyone, welcome into the NKY Bracketology Podcast. I'm your host Hunter, joined tonight with Zach and Michael. Um, so we're going to get into some top 25s and some other things tonight. Um, the first thing that I wanted to bring up is just say thank you. Um, I mean, we put a two hour and two minute episode out on Friday and 30 of you all have at least listened to part of it. Um, so thank you. We won't be doing two hour episodes for long uh, or very often, but I just, we kind of talked about it and some of us wanted to cut things. Some of us wanted to leave it all. We decided to just leave it. And if we had a bunch of complaints, I would have edited it down some, but um, I kind of figured T3 gave us this time. I didn't want to cut any of that out just because like it was a fun, enjoyable discussion. Um, so thank you all for listening. Um, one thing we've hit just a little bit over a month now um, with our podcast. Um, we're over 300 uh, listens, which is awesome. Thank you guys so much. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up is we have it, the first couple episodes, we got a lot of DMs about what we could do better and what like we should work on. Um, this is a rolling work in progress, especially this year. So please let us know if there's anything we can fix, anything that you want to see better or any additions you want. I mean, we don't have to do just the top 25 and then just bracketology. The bracketology episode on Saturdays can be whatever you all want it to be. Um, we'll keep it kind of heavily on bracketology, but we can add in segments or anything like that if you want. Um, we do have a couple more guests lined up. Um, we're going to bring one Twitter follower and then another bracketologist on. Um, still ironing out those details, but those should be coming in the next couple weeks. Um, so look out for that. Um, but otherwise, um, just let us know if there's anything we can change or anything we can do better. Um, we want to just kind of improve it, especially the first year we get this going. That way next year we can hit the ground running a little bit better. <clears throat> so with that, um, Zach, would you like to start with yours? Sure. Cool. All right. So, uh, I had Houston and then Connecticut. So we have a new number two for the first time. Wait, in. What? New yeah. number? New number two. Give them a round of applause. But I thought Iowa State was the best team in the country. No, they were number two. Well, they were. Okay. Yeah. And so number three is Iowa State. And then Alabama. And then Kansas, Tennessee, Arizona, North Carolina, Gonzaga, and Purdue round out the top ten. Auburn, TCU, Duke, Baylor, Marquette, New Mexico, Illinois, St. Mary's, Michigan State, Virginia, Texas A&M, Kentucky, Cincinnati, Pitt, and Wisconsin round out the top 25. Um, so just some highlights. Um, well, I I was going to ask if Kansas was starting to figure things out, but uh, not after last night. Um, they were they were number five. Uh, they might drop a bit um, metrics-wise this week after the loss to Kansas State. Um, but they did win by 29 over Oklahoma State and 13 over number one Houston. And then Connecticut leapfrogs Iowa State for number two. Um, they had big wins over Xavier and St. John's um, to really help push them up ahead of the Cyclones. And for Iowa State, you know, just just stay the course. You're fine. You're probably you probably are the second best team in the country. 
<laughs> okay, sure. Got jokes. Um, <laughs> and then I was kind of surprised by Duke's five point drop, um, just because you know they had a ten point win over Virginia Tech and then a nine point loss to North Carolina. Expected that to be fairly balanced, but yeah. turnovers per possession were a big storyline for those two games. And Kansas and Gonzaga both had pretty big wins this week. Gonzaga at nine? Yes. I just... How did they move? They moved up, didn't they? Or did yeah, they, they move back? No, they moved up five spots. So how did they move up five spots by losing at home? Well, did, did you see what they did to Loyola Marymount? It's Loyola Marymount. Yeah. Right. Hank Gathers is not walking through that door. Rest, rest, rest in peace to him. Yeah. Well, I understand, but <laughs> um, it just it improved their metrics that That's much. True. That's if there's one like catch on metrics that I've I've done some discussing metrics on just Twitter this week. If there's one like catch to metrics. It's a huge win just really, like, kind of sways metrics. Yep. Uh, especially, I mean, I guess you probably had them expected to perform at X level, and they ended up overachieving, so that makes sense. But it's still just will always be an outlier when Gonzaga's not a tournament team. They're not even in, like, the first, like, six or seven. Um, and they're still just, like, hanging out at nine. Who who was projected to win the game between Gonzaga and St. Mary's? Uh... Gonzaga was by five. Okay. Um, and they outshot Loyola Marymount by 20.4%. Um, like, again, some of these numbers, they're, they're just going to propel you. You can try to, like, weight them so that it doesn't have as large of an effect. But, I mean... It's go- It's going to. Yeah. There's only so much you can do to sway it. I mean, they're still Division One teams. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Who else? Who else do I want to complain about? Well, how about South Carolina? Or the like, lack I'll thereof. Just, I'll just well, hand. I'll just hand you a complaint, Hunter. So see, I don't mind South Carolina not being here. I mind that, like if they weren't in a top 25, like if Zach didn't, or Michael didn't have him ranked or I didn't have him ranked, I'd have a different discussion. Um, but with a predictive model, I mean, I can understand it. Uh, they're outperforming their expectations at this point. Just from an eye test standpoint, they're outperforming what I expected of them this year, yes. let alone metrics or anything. So like, I can understand wanting to regress a little bit and all metrics are pretty low on South Carolina. Right. Like, the predictives are lower. It's not like that's an outlier or anything. So I will I will actually mention a few things about South Carolina. Um, they are 199th in turnovers per possession. So that is weighing pretty heavily on any kind of like predictive um, result. And then so their preseason metrics... Lamont Paris's coaching record is 
less than 50% uh, less than 50% win percentage. So that is also um holding them back. And last season they won 34.4% of their games. So <clears throat> as well. This is just this is just one of those teams that is kind of exceeding expectations so much so that um it's almost like you expect them to crash. Yeah. And I'm not saying they're going to. <clears throat> it's just that it, it kind of begs the question, like, how long can they keep this up? And they might. I mean, they're, prob- they're probably a tournament team. But- That's a great. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why a 19-3 and team with wins over Kentucky and Tennessee isn't a lock yet for me. Yeah. And that's why. I mean, they're out of – I don't have it in front of me, but, like, they didn't play a ton of good opponents. No, not at all. they didn't. And the SEC is solid, but, like, let's not pretend it's the Big 12. Yep. So that hurts them as well because there's still some of those just, like, landmine games. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, did St. Mary's move up, or did they just, like, kind of stay the same? Uh, they They dropped three spots. Um, they South Carolina is not. They basically switched places with Marquette. Okay, so South Carolina has played half of their SEC games, and their overall strength of schedule is eighty-eight. Hmm. And their non-conference schedule strength of schedule is two eighty-four. Yeah, and when you start up into the bracket, like they're starting. I mean, they're a five seed for me right now. When mm-hmm. you talk outside of the bracket, that matters just because you're not going to have the quality on your resume yeah. as other teams do. And they so are cur- they are currently leading Mississippi by three. Yep. With 30. 38 seconds to go, they're at home. My model had them winning by five. Well, you're pretty close. I am yeah. pretty close, and it's just. Outside of the Kentucky win, they just they aren't winning games the way they should. I mean, we've we've kind of talked about them before. They're they're just not winning games the way they should be winning yeah. them. This was this was fifty five to forty with like ten or eleven minutes left. Yeah, they've blown a big lead with this, but I wasn't even keeping an eye on it to be honest. Yeah. Hmm. Um, you you were keeping your eye on Rutgers and Maryland, weren't you? Oh yeah, that's. <laughs> That game should be circled on the calendar every year. The fact <laughs> that it's under the radar and I didn't even put it on like my games to watch yeah. is just ridiculous. And I had Wake Forest and Georgia Tech on there instead. Oh. Like the world seems upside down. Hmm. Um, Georgia, Georgia Tech and their twenty-five points in twenty-three <laughs> minutes. Um, one thing about South Carolina I want to touch on: we talk about metrics and we talk about why they're not here or why they're not there. All that matters is winning. Eventually. Yeah going to get like help for just winning games which is what you're seeing we talk about a lot of metrics and we talk about a lot of stuff like that to compare teams there's no way for me to compare um DePaul and Ole Miss as opponents without metrics like South Carolina has now played both of them but there's no way for me to like sit here and say oh they're both this without looking at these metrics and these numbers you can't compare a d1 team to a d2 team well, okay, I, 
I know I used the JV metric. They're just they're beside each other. Ah, okay, that's <laughs> fine. And um, it's just hard to compare like that when you don't have any other cross reference for it. So you're going to hear a lot about metrics. South Carolina fans are not happy with metrics, and I get it. Providence fans will welcome you with open arms because they've been the same way. Yeah. Um, it'll be okay. You'll get into the tournament. Um, you might be underseeded a little bit, which might mean you beat a good team. Or, or you, you might be overseeded. I mean, depending Maybe. on depending on depending on. Yeah, okay, they might be underseeded relative to their resume. Yes, like their their wins and losses. The, but they might be overseeded from a metric standpoint where they're a five seed, but like. The, like everybody's kind of projecting them yeah. to just lose to the 12, yeah. whoever they are. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, that's perfectly like possible. And the 12s are not fun this year. So being nope. not a great assignment. Yeah. In that you're going to go out and lose, but that's just, that's how we compare teams. Who, who um, are your 12s, Hunter, like right now? Or who was your, who are your latest 12 seeds? So let me pull my seed list up while I'm doing that. If you all can hear my dogs in the background, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't hear anything. Her. Yeah, okay. I can't hear anything. My golden retriever has to be at my hip, and she is downstairs locked, and my wife is out right now. Ooh. And she is whining and carrying on like I never pay any attention So as the 12s, they've moved a little bit because of – the games last night. So Seton Hall and Cincinnati are in a play-in game on the 12 line. Um, and then I have Grand Canyon, McNeese State, and Appalachian State. Um, also right there, um, Samford is close, um, as is um, the Ivy League team. Right now it's Cornell, but if it was Princeton, Princeton would be on the 12 line. I think Samford would be a tough team to play because who out there is going to have video on Samford? You know? Somebody somewhere. Yeah. Now, but... That's part of the fun of these low seed teams. It is. Yeah. Like these like coaches aren't paying as much attention to them. They're really just focused on their conference opponents and stuff like that. So that makes it really fun in the tournament. Yeah. And that's part of why you see FDU go beat Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, those are my 12s. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think any of those would be a tough matchup for South Carolina. It's possible that they just continue to win generally close games and they they make, you know, a sweet 16 or even an elite eight run. But um, it's also possible that it be they're going to be a toss up. Like, yeah, clear cut, run away. Yeah. And metrics are probably going to be projecting them to lose quick. Yeah. South Carolina just just won. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be battle tested. You can't say yeah. a ton of, but you can say they're battle tested for sure. Um, I'm not sure if just beating Vanderbilt on Saturday is going to be enough for me to lock them yet, but I'll think about it because they still have to play LSU at home, and you wouldn't want to drop that one. Yeah, I'm not going to lock them, but I will say they're close because but... their other games, other than LSU at home, is Auburn on the road, Ole Miss on the road, Texas A&M on the road, Mississippi State on the road, Tennessee and Florida at home. But Mike, at, if they were twenty and ten, they wouldn't make. They wouldn't be a tournament team, even <laughs> even if they like again. So so they just won their twentieth game. If they lost their reigning games, which would include losing to Vanderbilt, 
I don't know about. I don't know. They now, would okay, 21, so twenty one okay, and maybe, ten. Yeah, twenty one and ten. That would be. It'll be close. It wouldn't. We I we wouldn't know until later on. Yeah. Okay. But if no, they're that's, 20... that's fair. I mean, there are plenty of. But I don't. I don't know. They're they're an SEC team. Like usually, winning twenty to twenty one games in a big conference like that is enough. Usually, but, but it's also the type where, like, you okay, they beat Ole Miss, they beat Vanderbilt, and then you go lock them, and then all of a sudden you're feeling like it's Providence all over again. Yeah. When they go and lose to Auburn and trip up at home to LSU and stuff like that. Is it's is not... Grand Canyon still a Q one? When? If it is, it won't be for long. Uh, that was a that was a neutral court game, so it might be. Um. Yes, it is right now. But it is forty six. Yeah, um, so they're on they're thin ice. Right okay, so yeah, they'd still have. I'm uh, I'm assuming. They have at least three quad one wins, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Grand Canyon, at least for right now. Um, but, yeah, they probably pick up, what, a quad three, a couple quad three losses if they lost to LSU and... Quad three and a quad four. Okay, yeah. yep. So, all right. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's yeah. why I'm being cautious. <laughs> and yeah. they could probably lose all of their games and get in. Yeah, but... but- are they going to be locked? No. no. Like, it's going to be a kind of sweated out kind of thing. Yeah. Especially okay. if there's bid, thie- if there's bid thieves. Yeah. Yeah. I'd lock them. If they beat Vanderbilt and LSU, regardless of the Auburn result, I think they could be locked. I do, too. Yeah. Um, they probably just need two more wins. Yeah. Okay. Any other any other questions for me? Um, Is Purdue ever going to move up? <laughs> Um, that might be tough sledding for Purdue. Um, so one of the things with my model is unlike say Ken Palm, I care about more than just the final score and the number of possessions played. Um, so for, for most of these teams, their, their strengths are kind of or their strengths and weaknesses are kind of set. Purdue could improve its turnovers per possession, and that would move them up. That's going to that's gonna move them up more than, say, out-shooting uh, Michigan State, because that's the game they have at home um, yeah. that I'm aware of. So they could out-shoot Michigan State by 30%. That's... I mean, it will help, but it's not really gonna. It's not gonna move the needle. Yeah, the the biggest thing is now trying to like sort out that turnover differential. And um, I think the hardest thing too with Purdue is when you are the best team in the league, it makes you, get... you having to win by more in order to move up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in um, Purdue, if I'm not mistaken, it's not a. Yeah, I mean, they don't turn it over a ton they're 126 this is for ken palm because i don't have sacks numbers in front of me but they don't turn people over yeah right so uh give me just a second and i will get you what my numbers are on purdue well um, when you have a seven foot four center you don't have to turn the turn them over as much block no shot. yeah 
They're ninth in the uh, block percentage category. Yeah. <laughs> and their free throw rate has to be amazing, right? Well, that you know that would yeah it is. Um, they are the best free throw by differential. They are the best free throw shooting team. Um, yeah. out. But um, I I wonder because like because like Apologies. if let's say Zach Eady blocks a shot and then grabs it, that counts as a defensive rebound. Not yes. a not a not a steal. Right. So that is kind of an interesting um, thing in the metrics. Um, the difference between, say, catching a pass and catching a shot. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> My wife just got home, so they will be shutting up shortly. <laughs> we have a dachshund, and it's a little yippy. Um, so yeah, that was my question about Purdue. Like, I just, I'm surprised that they're not moving up, but also I get it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't have any more questions for you. I think I fairly picked apart what I wanted to ask. I'm good. So yeah, the... They turn the ball over on 16.5% of their possessions, and they turn their opponents over on 14.5% of their possessions. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's just, it's more of a, they don't turn people over, but also they don't foul. They have a great way to win games. They just, they don't foul and they don't turn you over, but you're not going to, like, you're not going to beat them. Yeah. That makes sense. So, anyway. Okay, so Zach, or not Zach. Michael, do you want to get into yours? Sure. All right. Okay, so I will run it down and then explain it. So, Purdue, UConn, Houston, North Carolina, Kansas, one through five. Tennessee, Marquette, Arizona, Wisconsin, Alabama, six through ten. Baylor, Iowa State, Dayton, Creighton, South Carolina, 11 through 15. Utah State, BYU, San Diego State, Illinois, Auburn, 16 through 20. Clemson, Duke, TCU, Colorado State, Florida Atlantic, 21 through 25. And I I don't know about the exact order, but the few teams that just missed are Kentucky, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Boise State, and Utah. Purdue, UConn, and Houston, I saw no reason to change their one, two, and three. I thought Houston was far enough ahead of North Carolina uh, to stay at three. And yeah. while North Carolina did have that win over Duke, they also lost to Georgia Tech, too. That that just didn't end up erasing it. Yep. It was enough to keep them at four, but not enough to make to pass Houston just because Houston lost to Kansas. Um. I have Kansas at five in this. I will say, after losing to Kansas State and their road issues, I probably at this point would have moved them down to seven or eight. Because because Tennessee, Marquette, even Arizona have shown they can get big wins on the road. And Kansas 
their best win on the road is is Indiana, and yep. their only other one is Oklahoma State. And the and the Oklahoma State one is the only one by a comfortable margin. Yeah, Tennessee has beaten Kentucky, and uh, was it Wisconsin on the road? Yep. Marquette has beaten Illinois on the road. Arizona has gone on the road and beaten Duke. Kansas again has not beaten anyone on the road. Yeah, that's good. So I would have at this point moved them down to probably round seven or eight. I have them at seven on my seat, my like working seed list right yeah, now, so which feels, feels about right. These uh, top came out pre Monday games. Yes. yes. So Tennessee, I, you know, where their plays just fine. Um, that was a really good one to, to get over Kentucky. Keeps them firmly on that kind of like two line. You could even if you wanted to argue with them around the one line. I understand that too. Um, Arizona been kind of ducking and dodging bad losses, hanging in there. <laughs> Wisconsin, not not picking up bad losses, but picked up two losses in a row, and I just can't see them above nine right now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, Mike. I'm just, I mean, from a resume standpoint, sure, but I just, I'm just not sold on Wisconsin. I'm not either. <laughs> but yeah, you know, from a resume, that's where I have them. You're right. Um, I mean, they they have was it was it six quadrant one wins, which is double <laughs> what Alabama yeah. has. Yeah. Even though you could almost argue that Alabamas are better, but I don't know. Well, but Bama's played a lot more. Yeah. And lost a lot more. Yeah, have. And that's part of the problem. Yeah. You know, Baylor at 11, I don't love, but somebody's got to be at 11, and they just barely got past Iowa State. They have a better overall schedule, better non-conference strength of schedule. That's why they're ahead of Iowa State. Uh, Dayton is at 13. They will not be at 13 if they lose to St. Joe's, that's for sure. And that should be a very close game. Yeah, I know. Uh, Dayton, Dayton by two. two. Right now? Yeah. Yep, that's oh, is it, no, it's not even on yet. It is on. That's why I was. Oh, it is. Jk. They had I, op- they had op- it had opened like fifteen to seven in favor of uh, St. Joseph's twenty three to eighteen. St. Yeah. Joseph's right now. Yeah, I have I have Dayton winning by two, so it is. It it could come down to the wire there. Yeah. So. I have, as I said, at 13, Creighton at 14. I have them just ahead of South Carolina. I'm not yet convinced, at least especially metrics-wise, that I would move South Carolina past Creighton. I'm not even sure that I would for their win over Ole Miss. Because it, yeah. it's kind of a, one that... Yeah. Huh? It's not really going to help their metrics. No, very much. right. Especially just What, the, what three. is Ole Miss right now? Like, what quadrant is that? Two. Quad two. Okay, all right. It was a road game, so it's quad two. Right. Almost actually might actually move up a spot or two with predictive metrics for that. Yeah. Because it was on the road. Yeah, it was a road game for Ole Miss, so quadrant two. It'll be a quadrant one when they go to Ole Miss. Uh, keep going, Mike, but I want to look up what Ken Palm had the predicted score for that game. Okay. At. So Utah State at 16. Their resume is actually pretty good, and their win over Boise State kind of stands out to me. Um. It's a pretty good win to have. I know they dropped to San Diego State, but that was on the road. That's a tough place to win. Yeah. BYU at 17. I don't love it, but at some point, 
you got to give something to the metrics, and they're they're picking up wins in Big Twelve play. There's no question about it. San Diego State, I like their resume better than I do Illinois. I don't like I don't like Illinois' resume all that much. They their best one is still FAU, mm-hmm. and until they play Wisconsin and Purdue, that's what it's going to have to be for now. Yeah. Do they get Wisconsin twice? I would think they would have played already. I don't think so. I think they only play them once. They play Purdue twice, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Auburn got finally got their Q1 win on the road against Ole Miss, and yes. that was enough to finally yes. <laughs> to finally bump them into my top 25 ahead of Clemson. Mike, can I just say it's really fun how like you like I'm doing purely predictive. You're doing purely like um like resume yeah and so like you know i've got auburn at five and you don't have them ranked and yeah. it's just like the disparities like yeah one of us loves them one of them hit one of us hates them and then you've got a team that like you're really high on and i've got a team that like i'm just like they're not even close and <laughs> yeah so somebody had asked me um, in the in on Twitter about Clemson and why I have them ranked where I do, even though they are eleventh in the ACC and four and six. So for seeding and resume based, you know, top twenty five, we don't look at conference affiliation or standings. They're just irrelevant. So what I look at is the fact that they have wins over Alabama, TCU, Pitt, and I'm sorry, not so much Pitt, Boise State and South Carolina with a couple of them coming on the road, or not on the, at least away from home. The TCU win, win was at, on a neutral court. The Alabama win, which is a really big feather in their cap, was on the road. That is what is keeping them in my top 25. Well, and they're trying to validate it tonight. They are. Uh, so that's why I have them where I do, even though they're way down in the ACC standings. I am definitely worried about their near lock status that I have them at, but I'm not yet worried about their tournament status. So they're good enough to be in the top 25 for now. Yeah. Uh, Duke, they're fine, I guess, where they are. TCU, I kind of moved up only because I probably should have had them there sooner, but I didn't. It was almost like a inclusion by omission from previous. Yeah. I think we're going to have a inclusion by omission with South Carolina. We might. For uh, Seth Davis's. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> right. Um, they'll lose. Okay. Two, oh, wait. Well, they already beat Mississippi, but they'll lose their next game at Vanderbilt. And then he'll be, be like, hilarious. well, you know what? Got to make it up to you guys. Yeah. Um, Kentucky, I had to drop out. They lost. To, yeah. They lost to uh, was it Florida at home? They lost to Tennessee at home. There's not a lot on the resume. The North Carolina win is great. The UNC the UNCW loss is still there, and there isn't much else on the resume. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma, that strength that non conference strength of schedule in, in the three hundreds could be a problem, and. They're, they just don't seem consistent homer and away anyway. Yeah. Uh, Texas Tech, I was looking today. They're three and five in quadrant one. 
they have they at the moment they've played zero cute quadrant two games, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. So thirteen of their sixteen wins are quadrant three and four. That's going to have to change if they're going to secure a spot in the tournament. Uh, I like how Boise State is playing. Of all the teams that are just outside of the top 25, they're the ones that I think are kind of on the way up the most. Yeah, I I would Um, agree. Utah is just kind of hanging where they are. Um, It would be really nice for them if they could beat Arizona, but that's asking – unless you're Stanford, it seems to be asking a lot. Well, Arizona, I mean, they've lost now to Stanford on the road. They've lost to Washington State on the road. I mean, I think they're they're beatable on the road. Sure, but they sure got up to play Oregon the last time they played them, and you know, yeah, well, they won by they won by nine, I think. Yeah, but it felt it never felt close. It didn't really feel close. So Zach, they just had wanted... they just had to play they just had to play Oregon tough because Oregon, Oregon it was Oregon's like the number well. I think they're now second in the Pac-12. But, like, Arizona thought that was a big game, so they had to show up. But they don't show up for Stanford and Washington State. So, Zach, you wanted to ask me about um, FAU? Yeah. So what's your question about that? Well, so they – we know that they have the losses to Bryant and Florida Gulf Coast. Yes. So what do they have to counter that? Well, they beat Arizona on a neutral court in in Las Vegas, which is about as close to a road game as you can get from mm-hmm. where they traveled from. They also beat Butler and Texas A&M away from home. Okay. And yep. then, you know, Virginia Tech and St. Bonaventure, not as impressive, but these are all wins that are away from home. Sure. In fact, all, in fact, all six of their Q1 and Q2 wins are away from home, which matters a lot. Yeah. And if you look okay. at their metrics, they're 25th in the net, 22nd in uh, KPI, 21st in strength of record, 21st in BPI, 24th in, in, at Kenpom. So it kind of all kind of converges around that area of, of, in the 25. What okay. is still weird, though, is their average net wins is 141 and their average net losses is 132. Okay. Very hard to do. Yeah. But yeah. for now... I decided to give them the 25th spot because they just seem to have more wins than that good quadrant area. Like Oklahoma doesn't have a lot. Texas Tech, as I mentioned, only has three Q1 and Q2 wins. Fortunately, they're all Q1. And having having Arizona on a note court is such a big feather in their cap. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't necessarily disagree, Mike. I just, I mean, we'd kind of discussed FAU a little bit last week. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of seemed like they had a lot of work to do. So just to see them at 25th, I, I, like, I just wanted, you know, clarification and you know, give you well, a Well, they had a lot of work to do because of, of who they're playing against. I mean, they're I mean, yeah, landmine after landmine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and like T3 said, you know, Memphis is stepping on all these landmines and Florida yeah. Atlantic is just barely dodging some of them. I mean, that was a big win against Tulsa, but like. But now FAU has got to go on the road to play UAB, which has been tough to play lately. 
Yeah. They gotta go. They gotta play Wichita State on the road. They gotta play Temple. They gotta play South Florida on the road. It's been tough. And they, they still play, haven't played Memphis. They which don't play I them until, mean, the, until the twenty fifth, and then that's when good Memphis will show up. Maybe. Yep, that's when good Memphis will show. They only so, show for that far out. Like they're still they're not a tournament team, but they're still close ish. Memphis. Yeah, they're under yeah. consideration. Like sure. not a terrible. I mean, you could say the same thing about SMU. They're not under consideration, but that's a good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, North Texas will be a good one. There's some, like, solid opponents. Their schedule's really backloaded. Yeah. I'm pulling it up now, and they've played nothing but, like, they had one Q2 game, two Q2 games. They lost one, one, one. And then they haven't played a Quadrant 2 or a Quadrant 1 game since the 11th of January. Whew. So this will be their first like actual test, and they've not looked good against the quadrant three and four games the last time. So there's a lot to be desired from FAU, I think. Mm-hmm. But I think they're we're gonna find out real quick what they're actually made of. Yep. Yep. Um. Hunter, do you have any questions about mine? Um. Get me to Dayton over Creighton. You know, that that was a tough one. Um, I think Creighton, having just lost to Butler at home, kind of left a, not a great taste in my mouth. Um, there's still that loss to UNLV by 15 or 16 points. Fair. And if you look at the actual, um, like, say, uh, resume-based mm-hmm. metrics, it's it's not it's it's a little bit surprising. So if you go to Dayton, their their resume metrics. Let's see what they are now. Are ten and nine, which is, so that's nine and a half. Yeah, that's fair. If you go to Creighton, they are at twenty six and twenty eight. Yikes, I didn't realize they were that low. Well, that's what happened when you lose to UNLV by, you know, 15, and you lose to Colorado State by 21. Fair enough. And, you know, the Alabama win is really good. And then their next best win is at Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, they have the home wins over St. John's, but, you know. Okay, not that great of a win anymore. Right. So that's part, that's why their resume metrics have dropped. Okay. And that's why I have Dayton where I do. So how far would, well, I mean, that would be tough to answer, but if Dayton loses to St. Joe's. How far would they drop? Yeah. I mean, it always depends on what everyone else behind them does. Sure. In a vacuum, though, what happens? Yeah. There's one game on. It's Dayton-St. Joe's. Um, Dayton loses by four. Well, I would certainly drop them... Probably below below Creighton, below South Carolina, below you probably around eighteen, nineteen, maybe below twenty. Okay, so this is not a disaster. No, oh, no. it's not. No, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean it probably dropped them to the bottom of the five line in a vacuum. It would drop them probably a full seed and a half. Mm-hmm. But like we're not talking anything crazy. 
And that's, of course, before all these other teams play. But, yeah. like, it wouldn't kill their resume. No. They spent too much time. A lot of people ask, like, why there's not more movement with, like, teams on top 25s, like, resume-based top 25s, like Michael's, or, like, a seed list. Like, there's games from November 6th to February 6th to look at. One game's not going to do that much to torpedo your resume, unless, of course, like, Kentucky, if they would lose to Vanderbilt tomorrow, or something like that. Like, that's a crazy bad loss. That would be on a different, like, plane, or one of the Big East teams losing to the pole. We'd right. have to banish. We'd have to banish Kentucky to the end of the earth if they lost to Vanderbilt. <laughs> Good luck with that. All their fans want to do it, so you might. Be I, okay. Yeah, I know. Hmm. Um, I don't have any more questions for you. Okay, Hunter, do you want to get get started on yours? Um, so I have UConn, Purdue, Kansas, North Carolina, Tennessee, one through five, Creighton, really, Alabama. what? Creighton at six. Creighton at six. Okay. Uh, no, not Creighton at six. Hold on one second. Mm. So, so, so that is I, what you have. It was Sunday night, and I overlooked the Friday night results when it's I was lost to Butler. Okay. Um, the loss to Butler was not included when I first did that, and that was my original one. I edited it and moved Creighton down. So I have UConn, Purdue, Kansas, North Carolina, Tennessee, one through five, Alabama, Houston, Arizona, Wisconsin, Auburn. Uh, six through ten, Marquette, Creighton, South Carolina, Duke, Utah State, Illinois, Iowa State, Dayton, Colorado State, Kentucky, ten through twenty, um, BYU, San Diego State, Baylor, New Mexico, St. Mary's, twenty to twenty-five. Um, so like I said, Creighton was the big omission on accident. I um, like I said, I I do not love my top twenty-five like methodology, but I don't want to change it this late into the season. Um, so it's so heavily reliant on one result or one thing. I just wanted it to be different than my seed list, but I don't love where I'm at now. Um, that being said, um, I did move Creighton from, I think, what, six is what I said originally to down to 12. Yeah. Um, they could fall more this week, um, especially if they lose to Xavier at home or uh, on the road. So I don't have a big spiel. Um, like I said, life kind of got in the way this evening, so I didn't get a time to like put anything together. So hit me with questions. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you about Houston. I don't remember where you had them last week. Probably like three or four. I want to say they were fourth last week. Um, okay. North Carolina third, I think Houston was fourth. Um, so, I mean, teams have to drop. Tennessee sure. and Carolina got bonuses for winning big games to offset their earlier losses. UConn and Purdue are just wagons. Um, Kansas moved up for their win over Houston. And then Alabama's really coming into stride recently. Um, I yes, don't they are. I don't have this as a seed list, so make sure you know that. But this is like Alabama's a power ranking. They're one of the top five, six teams in the country right now. Um, they are hitting on all cylinders. It's pretty to watch. Um, this is what I thought Alabama was going to be all year. So I'm very happy. They are so – I don't know if you guys tuned into their, their game against Mississippi State, but they are so fun to watch. I watched about 10 minutes of it and then had to go to a different bubble game because five screens wasn't enough on Saturday. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah. So Houston just kind of naturally fell to seven. I didn't want to ding them too much more because, I mean, it's 15 points, but it's also Kansas at Kansas. Um, so that felt like a appropriate amount. 
Um, I also didn't like how Arizona or Wisconsin looked this week to jump them over. Okay. So I would, I mean, it, it's, it's your ranking. I just, I kind of expected them to hang out like in the top five. Um, I, I felt like they should still be ahead of Alabama, but I, That's you know, again, it's, it's your top 25 Hunter. I, I'm not going to quibble too much about, oh, a five or a seven or you know, whatever. Like, we'll go right ahead. <laughs> Michael fell off, so we will just sit here and fight for the next five or six minutes. All right. Well, um, all right. Their predictives are number one. So. I don't care. About- They're a one seed for my bracket for a reason. I don't care about predictives in this. Well, maybe you should. I'm going to be fully honest. I don't look at any team sheets when I put my top 25 together. I pull ESPN up and I look through, actually, that's a lie. I use bracketologist.com and I don't look at their numbers. I go straight to the results and I move teams up and down based off of their results that week. Fair enough. And I don't like it, but it's where we're at. Um, That's why Houston fell because how can I not reward Alabama who was eighth last week? They have to be rewarded. I mean, they beat Mississippi State by like 30. Yeah, that was that was not a game. That was just a massacre. I mean, it was akin to the UConn and Xavier game or to a lesser extent, the Houston and Oklahoma State game. Like, Yeah, Mississippi State is a better team than Xavier. Yeah. Oh, wow, I expected some objection there. Alabama worse than UConn. But still, like, that's the kind of, like, level of, like, embarrassing losses it was. Um, um, so, yeah, I left – I don't love – like I said, I'll keep pounding this, but I don't love the methodology I have, but it's just where I'm at for now. Well, when Mike gets back, mm-hmm. um, if he doesn't have any uh, – like comments or questions, which I'm sure he will. Um, I I wanted to like discuss a, or propose something for next year that you could do for the top Pro- 25. Propose it now while we wait on Mike because I'm not cutting anything. This is going on live. All so. right, cool. Um, well, what I thought you could do is maybe like 10 days before the season starts, you could open up a poll on Twitter. You could like throw a hundred teams onto it or something like that. Um, and just let people submit their top 25s and then yep. work out a, you know, a system where like, okay, like this team receives so many like votes and whatnot. So you, then you can create your top 25 and then you, you run with that. That's your like preseason poll. And then you'll just move teams up and down from there, um, kind of well, again, like kind of AP style. Um, but you can kind of use whatever. I mean, you can change your um, system around if you want. Um, but it would just be kind of interesting to see, like, can um, can ordinary fans project a top 25 better than the AP poll. What I honestly have been thinking about doing for next year, um, I'll be continuing what we're doing as long as you all want to keep going. 
Absolutely. um, What I'm thinking about doing is adding a fan side to it. um, And is what that would entail is I would just post every week on Friday or Saturday. I would post a Google form link that would just be the top 25. You can go in there and you can fill out your top 25 teams. And is what I'll do is I will compile those on like Sunday evening and I will put them all into a top 25 and put out like the fans top 25 or like follower top 25. Consensus. Mm, that'll be fun. Okay. Um, and that way everybody can keep track of where they're at and like what the consensus is. And then we can, I'll actually probably just do four columns on here, like on ours and add it there. And we'll have the consensus, like Twitter follower one as well. Um, didn't know what you all thought about that. I like it. I think, again, it will, it'll give, you know, kind of followers and fans some buy-in. Um, like, a, yeah, and a, 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 be, a bigger reason to pay attention than just, um, like, agreeing just or disagreeing. They, not what, like, why did you do this or why did you do that? They right, yeah. Have a vote themselves. I'm on a couple, like, mock top 25s where I submit with a group of, like, 10 or 12 other people. And it's fun every week and it runs pretty smoothly, so... I was thinking about like continuing or not continuing, but doing something different like that this year as well. Um, With that, I'll kind of bridge into one thing I'm looking at is the NKY Bracketology brand is kind of growing. Um, I know that I'm going to cover some college football bracket stuff next year. Um, I don't have anything planned for the summer um, other than I have a couple pieces that I want to like actually write like I did last summer. So I'll be doing those as well as like the mock 9016 bracket. But if there's any content that you all want to see, um, if you're listening to this now, you're one of the better followers I've got at this point, more dedicated, not better, but more dedicated followers. Um, let me know. Uh, my DMs are open. If not, you can comment it, whatever you need to do, send me an email. Um, just, I want to know what you all want to see from us. Um, I'm probably going to trademark the name. Um, and start like, I don't know if I'm going to start a business or not with it, but I'm going to kind of make it into more formal, like kind of thing. So please let me know what content you want to see, because I'd like to keep going like year round, um, with the focus staying on college basketball. Yeah. And, um, there are some things that have kind of come up in these discussions, um, that, we've kind of said like, Oh, you know, that's a, that's a, um, post season, um, topic. Yeah. Um, just cause you know, it's not, you know, right now we're in the season. We, we want to stay focused on what's happening right now, but, um, we're definitely going to be looking for content. Um, I think we have five or six topics worth of big podcasts that are going to come out. And I don't know if they're going to be, a series like there might be a couple where we do 30 minute like blocks in the summer and then that way we can kind of like break down things a little bit more in depth yeah. without three hour podcast um right. but there's other things we want to get to this summer that we'll be talking about um as well but if there's anything that you all like to see us discuss more or just talk about um please let us know definitely michael anything to add no my wife has just been kind of uh sporadically the last few minutes but i think i'm okay right now um 
I think the discussion during the offseason will help me stay more like... Um, well, I would just like to share, I'm working on a change to my model. Ah. Um, right now, I... One of the metrics that I consider is career points returning, um, which is basically just um, the the amount of scoring on a team's roster. Um, How difficult is that to uh, calculate? But I'm working on separating it now into um, retained scoring, which are players that were on the team last season that have come back. Yeah. And imported scoring, which is obviously points picked up from the transfer portal. Um, I think it'll be it's like the like let's say somebody like um the guy that's at St. John's who played for Harvard last year. Um uh-huh. that came up and was supposed to be great, but didn't like he just didn't translate very well. Would you like weight scoring differently for like smaller leagues coming up to the like bigger leagues, or how would you do that? I don't, I don't really know. Okay. I'm not entirely sure that it will matter that much. Um, oh, so are you just going to like, if it's a transfer, it gets weighted less kind of thing? Well, what I'll do is I'll put both metrics into the predictive model and, okay. s- and kind of see like how they're weighted. Um, okay. So I don't know, like just kind of going through some things right now like um it'll just be interesting to see like what teams get um rewarded for bringing in a lot of transfers and which teams get punished yeah like um so Florida Atlantic, for example, they have five thousand three hundred and forty-five points on their on their roster from yeah. prior seasons. That is a hundred of their like that's a hundred percent just players that were there last year. Um, but then you can go down to a team like Memphis. And they have 773 retained points to 5,656 imported. Okay. So they are heavily transfer dependent. But then you can look at a team like um, North Carolina, which is kind of like 50-50. And they're obviously playing really, really well. So, like, it'll just be fun to see, like, what's the balance. And then maybe later I can look at, like, okay, who translates well? Because then there's a guy like Dalton Connect who played at Northern Colorado. What a year he's and having. And he's easily yeah. Tennessee's best offensive player. Yeah. yeah. Um, and might even be playing better at Tennessee than he was at Northern Colorado. So, yeah. I think it'll just be interesting to separate, like, is – is there a right balance between retained scoring and imported scoring? I do think there's a balance. I just don't know what that balance is, to be honest. Well, and it might be sort of like, um, 
if you don't have um if you don't have enough transfer points that hurts you but if you have too much that hurts you so there's like a middle that's a sweet spot yeah that makes sense another thing do you include um recruiting rankings do they okay um we forget about recruits all the time but i do feel like they still need to be like kind of accounted for yeah um so i use a three-year average for your recruiting class um i know like a lot of the a lot of teams like uh duke and kentucky uh, um a lot of their recruiting classes don't stick around more than a year or two um but for smaller schools um i think it's helpful granted some of them are still going to transfer out but if a couple of them stick around um it'll it'll kind of capture that effect of like bringing in a talented player and then being able to develop them um i i am leaning towards um doing some analysis where i look at the um the contributions of freshmen and trying to see um if maybe i should only consider five stars and only consider one year um rather than a three-year average i would say Um, go ahead hunter I I would just say yes and yes on that. Uh, okay. I, like for five star purposes, those are the only recruits we don't see a ton of. Outside of like the top maybe twenty five or thirty recruits, a lot of these recruits aren't coming in and doing big things year one. A lot of them are developmental pieces that take at least a year to make that like freshman to sophomore jump. So the only, not really counterpoint, but the only thing I maybe be worried about missing is say you're a four-star recruit um, and you don't play big minutes, but you do contribute in meaningful ways. Fair. Um, I mean, I say that as, like, Xavier, for instance, they're playing, I think, four freshmen, consistent minutes, big minutes. I mean, a couple of them have had game-winning shots. So it's not – and they're four-stars, and none of them would be, like, in that top 30. So it's not a perfect system. Well, yeah, and then there's there's always that concept of next man up. Like I'm assuming Xavier would honestly be a fairly heavily, um, like upper class, uh, um, roster if Zach Fremantle and Jerome Hunter were healthy. Yeah. Um. So, like, so when when somebody gets injured you know who who steps up in into that role um but yeah uh generally speaking like right out the gate it is going to be five stars that are actually going to like see meaningful minutes um play a big role um 
I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to kind of see. I'm going to do a little bit of like studying Fair um, and reworking uh, over the off season. And we can get into that a little bit deeper and maybe help people understand your model a little bit um, in the off season as well, if we need to. Yeah. Cause I'm honestly like, I talk a lot of metrics. I understand what I have to, to like mm-hmm. teams, but I am not a numbers person. I, a lot of this stuff is really like difficult for me to grasp at times. So it's yeah. a while. So I get it. Like if you struggle with metrics, I completely understand why and what you're coming from. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'm trying to make this um, real to people. Like, like what does um, effective field goal percentage mean? Why do I use it? Um, I have actually meant to ask you exactly what effective field goal percentage It can be hard to follow. Ask again, Mike. I don't think he heard you. I have actually meant to ask you what effective field goal percentage is. Yeah, I can't hear Mike. Okay, cool. Okay. So I will play interpreter. Um, He asked what um, effective field goal percentage is. Okay. Yeah. Um, So the the actual calculation is your shots made plus half – of your three-point shots made divided by your total shots attempted. Okay. Um, so it gives you a proportional weight to making threes. Okay. Okay. So it just helps take into account threes. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Michael, did you have any questions for me about my top 25 or anything from anything that we've talked about since you had Wi-Fi problems? <laughs> um, well, I only heard part of it because I was having Wi-Fi problems. But yeah. I certainly heard your top 25. And no, I don't recall looking at it, seeing any other questions besides what you answered about what happened with Creighton. Okay. Um, I can't really see anything else. Um, maybe New Mexico, New Mexico is still being in the top 25, but, you know. I can sort of. So the 24 25 spots are just kind of like revolving. Games. It is. I mean, yeah. I could throw 10 teams there and they could stick. Yeah. I'm not mad about my selections, but I could definitely overthink them and do three different things each time I do it. So I don't have a problem with questioning New Mexico or St. Mary's or anything. I will say Indiana State almost made it, um, as did Texas Tech. Um, Texas Tech fell out after an 0-2 week. I just couldn't get over the um, Cincinnati loss. Yeah. Like losing to a team, I, I understand Cincinnati was probably pretty desperate um, just because of the loss to West Virginia. Um, so I get it. But at the same time, you got to win that. Like, you can't lose home games to teams that are on the bubble or below you. And for teams? Well, and understanding that a team is desperate and, you know, coming out ready to to play them yes. is important. Absolutely. But Hunter, yeah, you jumped off the Texas Tech bandwagon as quickly as you jumped on it. I like Texas Tech. So Matt, I know you're listening to this. I like Texas Tech. I don't have a problem with them. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to just completely 
move you up and down. I still like, I mean, my top 25 doesn't mean anything. I have you as a seven seed. You've dropped a seed and a half over the week. Not a big deal. Go win tonight against Baylor and jump back up. No shot. So these big 12 teams, uh, Texas Tech, TCU, Texas, Iowa State, anyone basically in the big 12 not named Houston, Baylor, and Kansas, they're all at the risk of, because of their poor non-conference schedules, if they go through a losing streak, they can put themselves in trouble. Absolutely. And we were seeing, on a side note, we were seeing an ACC team do that in the opposite way, where they had their strength of schedule for the non-conference had kept them up. A lot of people have said that Clemson should have been out by now with their like 11th in the ACC or whatever. They're not because of their non-conference. Yep. And beat North Carolina tonight. And that helps a lot. <laughs> yeah. That'll, that'll help propel them back up. Yes. But back to the big 12. I mean, unfortunately there's just not a lot of wiggle room. We talked about Texas tech a lot, so I'll use them, but they have no quad two games and they're three and five in quadrant one. Mm-hmm. I understand that we are playing in the best conference in the country. I understand that it's a war every single night. Eventually you have to win the quadrant one games. Yep, exactly. You can't go three and 10 and expect me to put you in the tournament. That being said, strength of schedule is not going to hurt them as much as it's going to hurt a team like Kansas state. Um, Or I don't know who else do I have down there around. We lost Zach. Northwestern could hurt them. Nebraska. Uh, Any of those teams down there, your non-conference strength of schedule matters and not necessarily straight up just because the metric, like the metric matters, but those are opportunities you didn't have. I mean, it's Iowa state, for example, they're a three seed or where are they? Five seed. Sorry. They were a three seed. Three to five line is a mess. Absolutely. You could put Iowa state at five seed. You could put them at a three seed and I wouldn't complain too much, especially because Iowa state's up 44 to 29 in Austin over Texas right now. What is it with Texas at home? What is it with Texas at home? I put on the second. No, 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 no. Iowa state. No, this has nothing to do with Texas. This is Iowa state. Exactly. All Iowa state. Fair enough. Exactly. It's Iowa state. Okay. To all the UK fans, you can probably calm down. You're up 51 to 30 with two minutes left in the first half. Yeah, we're done you here. Dodge the Vanderbilt board. Um, <laughs> we're done here. <laughs> big shout out to Mexico. They're up 37 to 20 on Wyoming in Wyoming. Yes. Um, St. Joe's and Dayton, 41 to 40. Um, Some games that already ended that I thought, were, well, Wake Forest, we knew blew out Georgia Tech. It was 80 to yeah. 51. Uh, Wake Forest is going scorched earth on the ACC. Here's the crazy thing. The ACC, we were, I mean, John Rothstein was pushing a two-bit ACC last week. We might be at a five-bit yep. ACC. Yes. Because yes. I, I love Forest. it. I am so here for it. Virginia's got to like, be in it at this point now. Virginia's a 10 seed, maybe even a 9. And with Clemson now beating North Carolina, that only makes Virginia's win over them better. Yeah. And Clemson needed this. Clemson was yeah. down to my bottom of my eight line. And some people had them as a nine or a 10. This will probably jump them back up into that six-ish seed yep. area. Um, FAU may fall some. They might. Just because it's not 
playing anybody of note. Uh, um, Rutgers beat oh, Rutgers probably. beat Maryland uh, at Maryland, and Maryland revolving door within my uh, f- within my bubble fringe and out is going to probably continue with them going back out of it again. So here's a tip: just take Maryland and Rutgers and just toss them right off the edge, and we'll see. Them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might be the best bet. Uh, I mean, Florida State won at Boston College by a point. That's probably going to toss Boston College off the page, mercifully. And I guess Florida State will stay on for now. <laughs> what do you? Where do you have Indiana and Ohio State? They're tied seventy-one with um, a minute left in the game. Uh, I, I don't. I think. I think I had just taken Indiana off the page uh, last week after they okay. lost again. Uh, yeah. Please tell me. Please tell me you want to bring them back. Both, both Indiana for a win at Ohio State. No, both Indiana and Ohio State are off the page right now. The only reason cool. I ask is Michael has a lot more bubble content than I do. I unfortunately have to try to seed sixty-eight teams. Plus, do the first four out, and the next four out. I go about thirty deep with confidence, but I don't go thirty deep to where I can name them off the top of my head. Michael's a lot more well versed in the bubble, so thankfully this year he chose to help me out, and I can use his bubble content. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I I don't know if I'm gonna put. I don't think I would put either one. I'm not sure if I would put either one back on. There's not much to the resume that's going to change for this. Yeah. This right. Is... If anything, I think, if Ohio any... State, I think Ohio State remains Michigan's only win in Big Ten play this year. <laughs> I Let's think that's... I DM with a uh, Nebraska fan pretty often, so shout out to him for all the fun um, banter we have going back and forth, but he is terrified to play Michigan because I guess Nebraska is Michigan's or Michigan is Nebraska's like kryptonite over the years. So here's my hope that Nebraska just wipes the floor with Michigan. Yeah, absolutely not. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I think if, it, if somebody's going to get Brock back to the page for this result, it would be if Indiana gets the road win, Ohio state will not for getting a home win like this. It's a Q3 home win. Yeah, and it's a Q2 road win. Yep. Don't bring them back. Yeah, On top of this, T3 just messaged in our group chat and said that um, North Carolina is going to add a quadrant three loss. I'm assuming that's Georgia Tech. Yep. So that's a pretty tough night for Georgia Tech. Yeah. Or for North Carolina. Um, yeah. Georgia Tech, it's a bad night, but. North Carolina is probably going to fall below Tennessee. Yep. Uh, Arizona might move up to number six overall. But but Hunter, North North Carolina beat Tennessee. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I head to head I really do. I hate the head to head argument. I really do. <laughs> I mean, it's just you can have the head to head result. Yeah. I don't. It doesn't change that I'm looking at an overall resume. What is it, 3% of your schedule? One game? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And if I were to include head-to-head results, here's kind of like one way to look at this, if it helps make sense for you. Head-to-head results are already accounted for. Mm-hmm. They get a quadrant one win for that. They get a quadrant one loss. Yep. That's accounted for. If I add in something like another one, then that's just going to keep like – double counting that 
result, which shouldn't yeah. Now, that being said, if it's North Carolina and Tennessee that I'm debating for the one line, it won't be. It's going to be Tennessee and Arizona for the one line. Yeah. Um, I will be including head-to-head only if I am completely stuck. And typically, I have to spend like 10 minutes like looking at these teams without being able to say, I want this team over that team. It's not something where I just throw it at it because I don't want to look at them anymore. Like I have to be genuinely like perplexed. Yeah. Can you just imagine being North Carolina and like you've just beaten your rival and you're you're feeling on top of the world. You maybe are thinking like, hey, we we could lock in a one seed. No. No. No one, they're, they're, there's no way they're locking in a one seed for Bacon Clemson. It's not about, it's not about this result. I'm saying like, like you're looking ahead, like all the way down the schedule. Oh yeah, they're yeah. absolutely. And a- so, and, and so again, they're, they're riding high from their win over Duke. And then not only do they lose to Clemson three days later, they also take a quad three loss. Pot- likely. We're not sure yet, but it's sure, you know, it's very possible. Georgia Tech, Mike. I know. Okay. Well, yeah. So we're assuming they'll drop at least 12 spots for losing at home by 30. I mean, 12 spots is a lot to drop. Yeah. Do I think it'll happen? Probably. But is it a lock that that's going to drop to Q3? Not locked in. You've got a lot of Mac schools playing each other that are around in that, some of them that are in that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, still, that's important to keep an eye on. North Carolina not having a banner night. The good thing is everybody around the one line has lost. Yep. Nobody the fourth one seed. Right. Last year we were playing musical chairs with like the last two seed. This year it's the fourth one seed. Mm-hmm. I like it because it's fun to have these debates on these good resumes. I hate the debates around Colorado, Cincinnati, Virginia, Seton Hall, Providence, Texas A&M, Villanova. It's ugly. Mm-hmm. And yep. like, seems to want in the tournament, but like, it's just at some point, it's nice to debate these like good resumes. This is where, this is where I just feel like we give too much I feel like this is where we maybe give too much credit to resume and stuff like that. Like if you're um, like, okay, look at last year. If you're North Texas, right? Yeah. You just put North Texas in the field. Why, why quibble about always NC state in is Nevada and Arizona. Are they in like, just put North Texas in the field. Have you had the chance to listen to the space from, with T3 and Joe Lenardi last night? Not yet. Go listen to it. I'm not saying the committee's not the committee doesn't understand what's going on, but listen to what he says about the committee, and you'll really start to understand why we have to have these debates. Okay. The committee genuinely doesn't. They're probably not even watching basketball yet. And, so like, and there's something else at play as far as, say, like North Texas, okay? 
So if you recall in 2019, when Belmont got in at large from the, from the, when they were still in the Ohio Valley, one of the things uh-huh. that the uh, chairman said that they loved was their offensive efficiency. Yeah. Right. There is nothing uh, efficient about North Texas's offense. And but there are... the thing, don't get too tied up. I'm not trying to interrupt you, but don't get too tied up on the one committee. Yeah. It's probably a whole different. That's committee. true, but I think the way the way North Texas we saw, you know, last year, how yeah. often they would have so many like scoring droughts where they would, you know, they don't want to take the NCAA committee. It, it it's a it's a product you're putting out, you know, for people to watch, and if you're choosing at the at the very end, but you you don't necessarily want to put a team in that may throw in a forty point dud. Yeah, even if they're deserving with a better resume than NC State, which I thought they were. Well, I just I feel like the committee might have liked offensive efficiency that year, but it could have been defensive. Like you could find a reason. So the fun thing about the committee and fun thing about doing bracketology in general I can use all of the historical precedent I want. There are humans voting in the yep. committee. They don't have to have a reason. It could literally be they've watched NC State play twice and they've watched North Texas once and NC State looked good twice and North Texas looked bad once. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they use the eye test, but like when you get down to nitpicking like that, like it is what it is. If it's a human like they vote i'll get in um we'll do a little bit on saturday morning we'll talk about the voting process and how they go about the committee um how they select teams um and i'll explain that a little bit because we're getting close to selection sunday and you could that way everybody can understand where they're at the um, top 16 midseason reveal is saturday the 17th yes at so that's 12, yes. 12 30 Great. eastern eleven thirty central okay that's so important <laughs> so mike when you get that reveal, are you going to lock all of those teams? Like, do they pretty much become automatic locks? I'll have to, I'll have to look at it. Um, maybe everyone, but say like Dayton. I think those, we'll lock um, pretty much any of the high majors in those seed lists will probably be locked by then. Yeah, because uh, like, wasn't Providence a top four no. seed last no. year? No. Okay, I might be thinking of two years ago then. Yeah, because I, so. I I thought at some point, I, th- it, I it, thought they were. That's the year they won. Yeah. But yes, okay. well, pretty much anyone that's a four seed or mentioned for the the top the top four seed would it, it would be really hard to see them not making it. Yeah, because as I've said before, after that, at that point. One loss is not going to drop you three seed lines. It right. may not only drop you one at most. It may not drop and you any seed lines. Yeah, there's losses where you may not drop. Like, honestly, Kansas is going to drop one spot. But if Arizona – actually, I don't know that Kansas is going to drop a spot for losing to Kansas State loss. Yeah. They may stay number five overall with everything around them. Um, that's why, like, we can do it in a vacuum, but that's why, like, you can't just do it in a vacuum without seeing things. But looking through, I haven't done locks yet this year, so here we go. Locks. Purdue, UConn, Houston, North Carolina are all locks. Kansas, Tennessee, Arizona, Marquette are all locks. 
um, Wisconsin, Alabama, Creighton. Wisconsin and Alabama, I'll lock. I'll stop short of Creighton and Baylor, but I'll lock. I mean, I'm locked 10 teams deep now. So I've still only locked uh, Purdue, UConn, and Houston. So Michael has the yips. Yes. He has blocked anybody because he about got ruined with Providence last year. Mm-hmm. Locked them, what, the middle of February? It was and, after the reveal, too. Yeah. And Cooley decided he was at Georgetown and didn't want to play basketball anymore. So he stopped coaching and the team fell apart. Yep. Well, they made it, but Michael was on the verge of a panic attack for the two weeks before the reveal, like before Selection Sunday. And they, did, and they didn't get selected until like the last bracket was revealed. <laughs> the committee knew. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I felt. Um, but, you know, it's if Kansas just win, wins one of their next two road games that, that they're playing, I'll put them in. It's not going to yeah. take long to put some of these teams in. And you'll see – Correct me if I'm wrong, but you'll see a lot of teams start to get locked in the next two to three weeks, and then we'll hit a lull yep. where we don't lock a lot of teams from like the seven and eight line down. Um, you'll stop seeing some of those locks, yep. but then they'll come back. Um, the last week, obviously, we'll start locking more teams in. Um, by the time we get to conference tournament week, correct me if I'm wrong here, but like we're talking 28, 30 teams will probably be pretty solidified into the field. Yep. Not their seed, but where the, the fact that they're going to be in the field will be pretty solid. Yeah. And then you have to remember all the, the, the one bid leagues where somebody gets in, you know, as the AQ and then you, you're just trying to fill up about eight or nine spots. Yeah. Um, so it'll be really fun. It will. That um, maybe I'll put, I don't know if I'll just add it into this podcast or if I'll put out an actual article. I probably will just be in this podcast, but I'll keep up with my locks. I have them written down on a piece of paper. So I will keep track of that and I'll kind of keep you all updated as to where we're at. Uh, and I, I would say too, with, uh, with North Carolina losing today, the gap between Houston and whoever you want to put it number four got larger. Big. Yeah. I honestly, it might be Arizona. I don't know if it's going to be Arizona or Tennessee, but I'm not looking forward to scrubbing Thursday night. That's yeah. going to be a mess. Um, I, I nobody wants it. It's no. I have a bunch. Of, yeah, there are like I said, there's a bunch of four seeds. There's about six two seeds right now too. Yeah, because Wisconsin, as much as we want to hate on them, Wisconsin is has a two seed resume, but they're the top three seed because of how everything's fallen. Right. Um, so Zach has fallen off. I'm going to give him just a minute to come back. Um, and then we'll kind of just wrap it up. After yeah, that. I think we're at that point too. <laughs> Thank you all for listening again. We like to talk. So I don't know if next year, maybe we'll talk about doing like a Monday, Wednesday, Saturday schedule or something instead, just to try to get these down closer to 30 minutes. But there's just so much to talk about that it's, it's almost hard to do just two episodes a week. Yeah. Um, so we might plan to rearrange some recording schedules and stuff next year to kind of help with shortening these up. Zach, did you have anything to add? Did I? I don't think so. Um, just 
paying very close attention to the New Mexico-Wyoming game because that is where teams go to die, apparently, and New Mexico is handling it well. New Mexico heard the rumor. Yes. They decided to go ahead and not die tonight. I like it. Not dying is always a good thing. And, always a And Iowa State up big on Texas. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's just great. I, they, I love and, it. And Dayton is suddenly up by 13 over St. Joe's. Yeah, so... At the beginning of this podcast an hour and a half ago, I sat here and said, no shot Dayton loses. They're up 13. Yeah. Now, there's 11 minutes left. I might regret that. You might. But I'm sticking yeah, with I, You know what? You know what? Just just because it would be hilarious, I hope St. <laughs> Joe's comes back. This will be published before the end of that game, I promise. So, yeah. no takebacks. Yeah. <laughs> And like I said, I'm not cutting all the little, like, conversations and stuff. If there's, like, big breaks where there's a big gap for Michael or Zach and it's just silence, I'll go in and cut it. But I'm not cutting all these little ins and outs. We're just going to go with the flow here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's good. I'd rather be talking to you guys, not just sitting here behind a microphone. So just so you all know, um, I'll make sure that there's no big gaps or anything, but I'm not doing anything crazy. Um, so with that, we'll kind of wrap up. Um, thank you guys for listening. Um, we appreciate all of the support. Again, I think we hit 300 and either three or 350 um, listens on Spotify uh, and Apple. So that's great. Thank you all so much. Uh, there's a lot of things coming down the pipeline. So make sure you're liking and subscribing. Um, it means the world to us. So thank you all. Yes. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for listening.